I want us to sing it again before we do. Anybody in here want to give a testimony about that song right there? You're an overcomer. Quick testimony, anybody? Miss Sandra? Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. Sister Young, testify, sister. Amen. That's right. Amen. God's brought her out of a lot. Cancer thought it would take her. God brought her through it. God has brought her through a lot. Sister Louisa, testify, sister. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Brother Rich, let's sing that again. I don't believe we're done yet. Blood of the Lamb. Yeah. 
Lord, have mercy. Somebody lift your hands up and tell him how much you love him. Oh, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you ever just been beside yourself? You know, that's in the Bible. <laughs> Paul got beside himself. Well, that's pretty amazing when you read about that in the scriptures. Beside himself. I heard that all my life growing up in the mountains, you know. Uh, now, don't get beside yourself. <laughs> I think it's all right to get beside yourself. Myself. That's, that's a miracle, really. <laughs> Ooh, glory, glory, glory. Why don't you sing one more, sing that one more time and, and just move around and hug somebody's neck, would you? Just hug one another, <laughs> shake hands. And just, just tell one another, I love you. I love you. Yes. Overcoming more than a conqueror. I'm a winner. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I have dominion. I walk in authority. I've been washed in the blood. I'm kept by his love. I'm filled with his spirit. And by his stripes I'm healed. first had a test you know that's true that's just that's just plain truth we couldn't have a testimony unless we first had a test have you ever had a test sure probably everybody here's been tested some way or another and uh, if you fail the test thank god you can take it again <laughs> Woo! <laughs> praise god oh my 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 you may be seated if you'd like, and, and we'll just move along. And, and uh, you know, I was praying today and thinking uh, about the Word tonight and just anticipating this good, sweet move of God's Spirit that we're uh, enjoying. You know, I could, just, I could just sit down here and bathe in it for a while, just uh, bathe in the blessing. You know, just bathe in the blessing. Praise God. Wow. And I thought, uh, and 
Let me say thank you, Pastor Eric, for the invitation to come and be with you folks here at Hendersonville. It's, it's a joy and a delight to be with you, to worship God and fellowship one with another and enjoy the blessing of the Lord. I left here uh, this morning. I was wringing wet and uh, on the inside and on the outside. Praise the Lord. God just squeezed my heart. Did he squeeze your heart this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. Thank God. You know, uh, we, we are living in, in, in unprecedented times. So many things uh, we have seen, heard, uh, wondered about just, just in the last year. And in my own life, and I'm sure yours, uh, I never thought I'd see some of the things that I've saw this year. Never thought I'd hear things that I've heard in the last year. But uh, I have, and so have you. And as we press forward, we're reminded of the scriptures that tells us that in the end times, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, that those things which cannot be shaken shall remain. And I'm glad that we are built on the foundation of God that could never be shaken. Thanks be to God. The winds may blow. Oh, the, the waves may come. The trials and the tests may come. But thank God, standing on the promises of Christ my Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn tonight between preaching and, and teaching but I'm somewhere in the middle, so I may do some spreaching tonight. Will that be, will that be all right? <laughs> you know, if you, you kind of get between teaching and preaching, then, uh, you know, some, something has to happen in between. So I may do a little bit of all of it. That would be okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the, the message, uh, I was writing down the scriptures and sharing them with our sister for the media and I was sharing with her uh, the thought that's just rolling in my heart and in my mind uh, is really about the fire. And my wife says, I've never outgrown my hillbilly brogue, so I usually say far. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's okay. But I guess fire, okay? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway... The fire of God is needed so much. And tonight we're sensing, we're sensing the glow of the embers of the fire of God. I noticed as you were uh, shouting and praying and worshiping and I was right in the middle of it with you that that uh, you know i could almost hear the the crackling of the wood in the fireplace i i, I could almost hear uh, you know the 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 fire as it's as it's getting higher and higher and the thought that got in my heart today was uh, we we need a fiery faith for a freezing time a fiery faith for a freezing times and and uh, as I drive around here in your community, 
I know that you've been having a freezing time, literally, with the snow and the ice and the temperatures and all of that. So when I began to see that, actually, as I drove in here Saturday night, I began to think, you know, this has not been real easy for this people to deal with. Usually not being used to this kind of weather and and uh, maybe not even ready or prepared for this amount of this. But, you know, uh, it doesn't matter ready or not, prepared or not, it still came. And a lot of things in life are that way. Usually most things come unexpectedly. And if you have your Bibles, look in Leviticus chapter 6, verse number 13. Old Testament book of Leviticus chapter 6, verse number 13. Way back in the beginning, when God instituted a mode of worship and an order of sacrifice and told his people certain things to do and certain things not to do, But there is something that was very profound. A lot of things were, but there was one thing that was absolutely overwhelming. Because uh, historically and biblically and uh, grammatically, people talk about when the glory and the glow of God came in the camp of Israel that the pillow of fire could be seen for miles and miles around as they were worshiping God. The glow and the glory of God was manifested. And people saw that burning and they saw the glow. And most oftentimes they would hear the sound of the people as they were worshiping God. And... When I looked at this scripture, actually two or three days ago, I was at home and it, it burst in my heart and, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I run, jumped on uh, Facebook and just started preaching. I mean, I just preaching. I got ringing wet. I was praising God and that people was, uh, you know, sending messages here and there and hallelujah, praise God, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I thought, well... There's somebody listening. If there's nobody else listening, I'm listening to myself, praise God. Because this is an exciting thing. And this passage of Scripture, this one verse I want to read, uh, chapter 6, verse 13. God said, the fire or a fire shall always be burning on the altar. <laughs> I believe it was burning here tonight. Shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. And and as we know, that's symbolic of sacrificial worship and praising God and pleasing God. And as I thought about uh, many of the conditions in the world today, as I spoke this morning I don't want to get in a pity pool like David did and had to had to praise his way out and pray his way out and shout his way out and get God to examine his heart and, and help him to know how to overcome this and conquer this. And we know how by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God forever. 
And I thought about this burning, this burning of God's fire. Most grammarians or theologians will say that the fire originated from God. God sent the fire on the first altar. And the burning, supernatural, glorious fire that came from God out of heaven from that point onward was never to go out. That fire should never go out. It should always be burning. And I thought about that. The fire comes down from God and then it is handled by the hands of man. It is ministered. It is, it is moved and used in many different things in the worship of Almighty God. And I thought about the need of this, this kind of fire, of fiery faith. For this freezing time, I read an article once that was kind of negative, but I understood exactly what they were talking about. It said the season of winter has come to the church age and where there used to be hot tears of repentance running down our cheeks, now we see icicles cold and glittering that's hanging around in the house of God. And the hot demonstrative worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has been replaced with dead, cold, form, program, and liturgy. And as I've thought about that, in many places that I go, I see that. It makes me weep in secret places. It makes me groan in the Holy Ghost when I'm praying and asking God once again to kindle the fire and let people see the glow and the glory of the Lord manifest itself all around us. Praise God. I was excited tonight as Pastor was sharing and my other brother was sharing about a, a healing or several healings uh, that had taken place throughout uh, the, the congregation. And I want you to know that God has not changed. No, Jesus has not changed. He is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. And when I think about this burning fire that needs to be burning on the altars of our heart and burning on the altars of our soul and burning on the altars of the church, hallelujah. So when people came, when, when they come into contact, when they come into the region or the zone where this is going on, then they will sense the heat of God's fire and they will want to warm by that fire. They will want the resource of that fire. They want to be healed by that power. Oh, praise God. And I ask myself the question, Lord, what do we really need as a church? And I'm not just talking about the church of God or the Pentecostal church. I'm talking about the ecclesia, the body of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about every believer in the Lord Jesus that has truly been born again and come into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. What can we do? How, how can we be moved upon by the Lord God that 
we can see lives changed when they come into contact with this temple which houses the Holy Spirit? How can they be changed when they come into this physical house that is here to worship God in? How can they be changed in this world that God created? And and it is praise God created and for our pleasure and for his blessing upon us. And I thought about what can we do? How, how really can we have a fire-baptized encounter? How can we have an encounter with God that will make us changed forevermore? Even as a child of God, how can we have an encounter with the God of fire? You know, the writer of Hebrews twelve twenty nine. he said, Our God is a consuming fire. That's the encounter that I'm talking about. How can we have an encounter with that kind of a God that everybody in our family and everybody in our neighborhood and everybody in our community will know that we've been in the presence of the fire of Almighty God? Let me just ask you that tonight. You know, you read in the Old Testament The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he called it the spirit of burning. The spirit of burning is coming into the land. The spirit of burning is coming. A burning fire that will purify the sons of Levi. That will change the order. That will make things grand and powerful and glorious to our God. And I asked myself, how, how can this happen? You know, when I was saved, I, I, was, I was delivered. I was like this sister testifying back here. To, I tell you, when God saved me, he cast so many devils out of me, they couldn't even be counted. Thank God he started throwing that stuff out. I didn't even know what was going on. I knew I was a drunkard. I knew I was a drug addict. I knew I was worthless. I knew that I was full of hatred and bitterness and all that stuff. But praise God, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what a sinner's prayer was. I didn't know what the Bible was. I didn't know what a church was. But I fell on my knees and I knew that I was going to die and fall in a a burning pit of fire because God in his mercy had showed me that. Stabbed to death and dying in the back of an ambulance. And the little fellow working in that ambulance looked down in my face. I was 25 years old and he said, young man, do you know Jesus Christ? And and I began to curse him. I didn't know his Jesus Christ. Didn't want to know anything about it or his God or anything else. So I was laying there bleeding to death. And he said, if you'll call on him, he will help you. If you call on the name of Jesus, he'll help you. And finally, he said, it's a serious place where you're at. You need to call on God. And I was laying there listening to him, and I didn't know what it was. I was in such a mess in my life. I was paranoid. I I couldn't stand people. I hated authority. I didn't want anybody or anything. All I wanted to do was hurt people with my fist, beat people with my fist, or cut them with my stiletto, or shoot 
shoot them with a gun while I was robbing them. A 25-year-old bleeding ulcers in my stomach. My, my brain cells were burned away from the drug use. And people were afraid of me. Everywhere I went, that crazy Irishman, just stay out of his way. But, oh, I want to tell you, when I heard that name of Jesus, something began to happen in me. And I didn't know, but I looked down. I looked down into the flames. I looked down into the fire. I didn't know what I was looking at. And I was laying in the back of that ambulance, but I was falling into the fire. And I began to see people that I knew that had died of overdoses. I saw people that had died shot to death. I saw people that had died drunk in automobile wreck. And they were screaming and they were crying. Ronnie, don't come here. There's no way out. You you can't get out of here. And I looked into the face of Richard and, and Richard was killed shooting uh, shooting up and got into a liquor store and was robbing the liquor store. And the man shot him between the shoulder blades and blew his heart out of his chest and he laid in the sidewalk and his blood. And there I saw Richard. I saw him. I saw you die. I saw you buried. I know you're dead, but what is this? How are you there? And he's screaming, Roddy, don't come here. There's no way out. And, and I don't know what's happening. I, I don't know. I'm falling into this place and I don't know what it is. And just like a, a puppet falling helpless into the flames. And I felt my body jerk like an electric current went through it. And I opened my eyes and I was in a hospital. My little wife was there beside me. And she said, you've been in surgery most of the night, and, but you're going to live. You, you probably won't never be able to have much strength in your left arm and your body's full of sutures and stitches, but you're going to live. But I wasn't worried about my arm. I wasn't worried. All, all I could see were the faces of what I'd seen in the fire. All I could smell was the smell of those that were burning in the fire and the screams of their voices. And I said, don't let them turn the lights off in this hospital. I don't know what I've seen. I don't know where I've been. But don't let them turn the lights off. I tell you, my friend, that was in early 1972. By late 1972, somebody told me about the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Oh, I love the way we've been singing about it. Glory to God. I, I, I thought about that Lamb tonight. I just cannot get away from it, Pastor Eric. But I want to tell you something. When I heard about the Lamb of God, my mind went backward to that little Lamb that was given to me the pastor mentioned this morning my daddy was a drunkard a World War II veteran he was full of hurt and anger and bitterness and, and he'd beat us me, my brother, my sister and my poor little mother I saw her black and blue and thrown out of the house into the cold and, and, and I walked two miles to catch the school bus out of the mountains and a little woman, a widow woman, called me aside one day. I was nine years old. She said, little boy, I want to give you something. And she held up a baby lamb. She handed me that baby lamb, and I held it right here, and I could feel its heartbeat. And, and I, I thought, nobody's ever given me anything. I don't know how to express myself. I don't know how to react. Of this we don't have electricity we don't have running water all I know is standing in line at school and them stamping my hands saying free lunch free lunch 
now somebody's giving me something. And I, and I, I held that little lamb, and I, and I wondered all the way home, I wonder if Dad will let me keep this little animal. And, and he was in a good mood that day. And when he was in a good mood, he was okay. But as soon as the alcohol hit him, he was the devil. And I want to tell you, I said, Dad, can I have this little animal? And he said, just keep it out of my way. It's your responsibility. At nine years old, I carried that little lamb around with me. It was my friend. Every day when I walked through those hills and off that mountain, I knew where that little lamb was going to be. And it would be the same place practically every time I came home. And it was my friend. You know, at that point in my life, I was so confused and, and so overwhelmed. With confusion, I could barely function. But my dad, in a drunken stupor, killed that lamb. He plunged a tar arm through its body and then beat it to a bloody pulp laying on the ground. And when I walked up on that as a little boy, that's all I could see, the blood. My friend was dead. And something happened in my heart. And I ran off into the mountains And I was screaming at the top of my voice. He's killed my lamb. He's killed my lamb. And I beat the ground with my fist. And I beat the trees with my fist. And I cursed till I didn't have any more breath. And I cried till I didn't have any more tears. And at that early age, by 12 years old, I was a runaway wherever I could stay. In every kind of dysfunctional facility. (laughs) Sometimes I weep. Sometimes even I'm 73 years old. Sometimes I still hear the screams and the cries of some of the boys in the places I was in. By 15 years old, in my mad, maniacal uh, spirit that controlled my life. I stole a car and and killed a woman and crippled her husband and crippled three or four other guys that were in the car with me. And I laid in the hospital for weeks and and every state trooper would come by and say, I'm charging you with vehicular manslaughter. And every time my heart would get harder and my life would get colder. And I went on after they sentenced me to Jordonia, just over here it used to be, and they sentenced me there when I was 15 years old. And I stayed in that place for months and months and into the years. And every night, now I'm not talking about a, an easy place. If you was at Jordonia Training Correctional across from the state prison on the other side of the river, You had to make your own clothes and your own shoes and raise your own food. And if you got out of sync, if you didn't walk in cadence, you got so many stripes. And every night when we went to bed with guards at both ends of the place, many times I'd be woke up hearing boys screaming as they were being raped by other inmates and even some of the guards. Oftentimes they'd try to hang themselves. Sometimes they'd try to climb the 15-foot-high fence with guillotine wire around the top of it and cut their insides out. Some of them made it over the fence and drowned it in the river trying to swim and get away you never memories like that never leave you 
They never leave your subconscious mind. And for years, my hatred grew and grew and grew. And it was like a living hell that I put my little wife and my children through. And all the years in Atlanta, Georgia, I hate to even mention it sometimes. I, the awfulness of the darkness and the guilt and the condemnation. But thank God when 1972 came and my wife had found the Lord and she had given her heart to Jesus. And I walked in the bedroom one morning at 2 a.m. I'd been trying to get stoned. I'd been trying to get high, but I couldn't get drunk. I couldn't get high enough to block out the faces of the guys that were screaming from the flames. Oh, God. And I looked at her face, and her face was glowing and shining, and I knew something was different. She said, Ronnie, tonight I took the kids, and I went to a prayer meeting. And tonight, Jesus Christ came into my heart and my life and saved me. And I knew something was different. She asked me, would you go with me? Would you go with me? And, and I thought about this. Such a, I was, my stomach was deteriorated with bleeding ulcers. My mind, my body was broken. Just about 25 and a half years old. Wanted, hunted, hated, not trusted, no character, no reputation except bad stuff. November the 2nd, 1972, I walked with her and my children and I sat down in the back of a little church on Morganton Road in Maryville. A man got up behind a, I know now it's a pulpit. I didn't know even what it was. I didn't know you'd call it a pulpit. He opened a book. I didn't know anything out of that book. And, and that man said this morning, the Holy Spirit instructed me to read St. John one twenty nine. That meant nothing to me. But when he started reading St. John one twenty nine, he gripped my heart. Because that verse says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And he said, God's lamb is Jesus Christ. And he's the friend of the sinner. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how deep you've gone into sin, Jesus is the friend of the sinner. And, I, and something happened to me that I couldn't stop. For the first time since I was nine years old, I began to cry and weep. I'd swore that I'd never shed another tear. And if anybody was ever hurt again, it would be somebody besides me. And as I was trying to fight back the tears and I wanted to run, I wanted to get out of that house. I wanted to get away from where I was. But something beyond me took control of my physical body. And I found myself walking down the aisle. And I got down very near the front and I couldn't stand any longer. I fell flat on my face. And I'm laying there on the floor crying, weeping. 
And I'm thinking, I don't want anybody to see this. I'm a tough guy. I don't want anybody to see me laying here on the floor crying like a baby. (laughs) And a little lady came over and started patting me on the back. And she was trying to help me. She said, son, pray the sinner's prayer. But I didn't know a sinner's prayer. I didn't know what she meant. And then another little woman came and do, on the other side of me and started doing the same thing. So, son, you're on the Roman road of salvation. I didn't know what she meant. I didn't know what they were talking about. They loved me. They were trying to help me. But I didn't know. I tell you, there's many people that don't understand church language. They don't understand Bible terms, language. They don't know about songs. They don't know about prayer. They don't know about fellowship. They don't know the way the words we even use. And I was laying in that condition. And I'll tell you what my sinner's prayer was. I lay there. And I said, God, if you're real, if you exist, please kill me or cure me because I don't want to live anymore. I'm not a husband. My kids are afraid of me. My wife, I have mistreated her so much. Nobody trusts me. I'm a derelict. I'm a reject. Please kill me or cure me. At that moment, at that moment, God answered both those prayers. He killed the old man and he created a brand new creature in Christ Jesus the Lord. Oh, thank God for his love and his mercy. Anytime I think about fire, I, 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 it was like ever, ever since that happened in my life, I have had a blazing, burning fire inside of me. I have to share, I have to tell. You know, I didn't even go to high school. They kicked me out. I didn't even get that far when I went into the reform school the first time. I didn't know. But after this happened to me in 1972, I had a burning desire to learn the Bible. I wanted to know more about this wonderful lamb of God that gave his life for me. Ronnie Reagan from Kaler Holler, where all they know how to do is make moonshine whiskey in the stills. All they do in those hollers is fight. The clans fight each other all the time. But I had a desire to learn I told my wife, you know, we got married. She was 15 and I was 17. What a life. God bless her heart. We've been married 56 years now. And I, she had every right and every reason in the world to junk me. But somehow God in his infinite mercy and long suffering. But I, I, I wanted to learn. I said, honey. You reckon, you reckon I could get, you reckon we could get one of them GEDs? 
general equivalency to you, but I don't know if they even do that anymore nowadays. So we did. We studied the books and helped each other and got those GEDs. Wow. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's some burning in me. There's a fire in me. <laughs> fire. I mean, it was a holy heartburn. It was, it was a burning that Tums and Rolades and Anacids and none of that stuff could put out. It was a burning fire that came down from God on the altar. And it'll never go out. Hallelujah. It'll never go out. It shall never go out. Whew. Praise God. Woo. <laughs> Glory to God. So I, and, and, and I felt God calling me to preach, and I didn't have, I can't preach. They, they wear a suit, and, and they were, drive a nice car, and, and they, you know, I'm, I'm bashful, and I'm backward, and, but there's a fire inside of me. I can't talk about nothing else, but I can tell you about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Everything else, I'll look at the ground. I couldn't look the people in the face. But when that fire kindled up, I could look them right in the eye and tell them Jesus loves them. Turn or burn, baby. <laughs> glory, glory to God. <laughs> you know what? God, I could tell, I could tell you all night about starting to preach from church to church to church and Brush Harbor to Brush Harbor and Tent Revival to Tent Revival and Street Corner to Street Corner, Jail Cell to Jail Cell, preaching to prisoners and tell them, Hey, God did it for me. He'll do it for you. <laughs> well, one day, <laughs> one day, God sent me here to Nashville. To pastor a little church over here on Paragon Mills Road. And man, oh man, I, I wasn't, I wasn't very old. And, and there was a, a family in that church, a little lady that she told me, she said, you know what? They got a Bible school out here. And it don't matter who, what church you go to or all that. They're, they're just teaching the Bible and they're accredited and you can just come study the Bible. Boy, you're talking about study, 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 study every Thursday night, hour after hour after hour after hour after hour. You know what? By the time I was 45 years old, I had a bachelor's degree. <laughs> Praise God. Woo! But that fire kept burning. My, my son's a police officer. You think God don't have a, a sense of humor? <laughs> he does. He, his son just went in the Navy now. He's in the Navy. He's, he's up in Great Lakes. <laughs> and uh, my son, bless his heart, we'd go in the restaurants and that fire would be burning so hot in me. And I'd tell him, I'd say, let's pray over the food. And I'd pray and usually that fire would get to burning. I, I, didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know too much about anything. That fire would get to burning. First my leg would start shaking and then next thing I'd do, I'd holler hallelujah. And then every now and then I'd fall plumb out of this out on the floor shouting, rolling around on the floor. Glory to God. Woo! Hey! Hallelujah! <laughs> my son... 
That poor little waitress would have to call the manager. Something's wrong with that man. Come over here and talk to him. My wife would say, he's all right. He's got the old-time religion. Don't pay no attention to him. Ever, ever since that, my son, we'd go to eat. If he's with me, he'd kick my foot under the table and he'd say, Dad, behave yourself. <laughs> Glory to God. I told him, I said, You reckon you'll ever be a preacher? I said, No, sir, I won't be no preacher. I said, Why not? He said, I'm called to preach the law. You preach the gospel. He said, I preach. <laughs> Better him than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord but the fire of God you know if, if the fire of God is burning in us that heart I was talking about this morning will just burn and burn and burn and you have to get some relief I'm telling you you have to tell somebody about Jesus that's the only way you're going to get any relief glory to God And not only that, when that fire is burning, glory to God, it will, it'll, it'll make your lips catch on fire. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it'll make your lips catch on fire. You know, the, the apostles, they caught on fire. And the, the Holy Ghost come down upon them and cloven tongues of fire set upon each one of them and, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Hallelujah. And, and, and the people straightway commanded them not to teach nor to preach in the name of Jesus Christ or you'll go to jail, you'll go to prison, you'll be beat with many stripes. And you know what happened to those apostles? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll tell you what happened to them. They said, men and brethren, you'll have to understand this. We cannot help but speak the name of Jesus and speak those things that we know to be true for we have seen and we've experienced experience them hallelujah to god oh lord you, your lips will get on fire i mean you uh, glory to god i that a little bit of that happened to me right here tonight while y'all were singing dear god i just i just walking around and i, and I felt all of a sudden i felt like my whole lord my whole lord jaw was shaking praise god Woo! he said with stammering lips and another tongue i'll speak to this people mm. <laughs> Glory to God. Jesus Christ. You know, John, the Baptist come up. I love to go down the Jordan River and baptize down there. I always go. Every time I've baptized, I've had 38 water baptisms in the Jordan River in Israel. 38. And every single time somebody goes out in the spirit when when they go down under the water they'll come up speaking in other tongues and praising god and many times the guys helping me we have to get a hold of them and, and carry them out of the river praise god oh john the baptist used to preach on that river bank a lot and he'd come down through there and you know he he'd tell people come from everywhere and here he said he said what did you come out here to see reeds shaking in the wind why have you come down here to the to the riverbank to see what's going on you know and and uh, he said hey i indeed baptize you with water under repentance but there's one coming after me whose shoe latchet i'm not even worthy to unloosen his shoe 
refuses. He said, I baptize you with water under repentance, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Yeah. Hallelujah. Burning fire of the Lord. The fire shall ever burn upon the altar. It shall never go out. Praise God. Let it burn. Let it burn. I used to have to carry in the coal. I, I used to have to go get the coal and bust it up and, from bigger chunks and make them smaller chunks and bring them in that little shack of a house that, that we lived in. And, 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 I, and there's just something about, about how coal will burn so hot. If it's good coal, if it's, if it's blue diamond, it don't have much slag in it. And it It'll burn a long time and it gets real hot and it'll hold a fire all night long. Dear God, that fire that's burning, burning, burning in our heart, it'll hold a fire. It's hot fire. It'll burn and burn and burn. Praise God. Yeah. And if you get a whole summer's full of slag, you you just got a whole lot of nothing in it when it burns out. I'm afraid that's what kind of experience some people's got. <laughs> but but if you got the the real deal, great God, it'll burn and burn and burn, and it'll keep you warm. <laughs> oh, glory to God! This is making sense. I hope you know where I'm at because I don't know. <laughs> I tell you. Uh, honey, I'm sorry. That whole page of notes, I guess you done made an airplane out of them and throw them away. <laughs> yeah. Woo! <laughs> Pastor started all this. He said, we're going to do things different tonight. <laughs> That's a good thing sometimes. It sure is. But oh my goodness. You know, that desire and that wanting to learn and and all I, I could, you know, in in a couple more years, I had me a master's degree. Great God in theology, a master's degree in theology, and I, I thought, praise God, and and you know, I, I had a little problem with that. I got thinking, I asked something. <laughs> God had to smack me down, and tell me, you know, you first get called, <laughs> and then. The rest of it comes along. You can't study enough to be a preacher without an anointing. You can just be somebody reading a book or telling a story. But the anointing of the Holy Ghost and fire that comes upon you, great God. Then Dr. Ray H. Hughes used to tell us years ago, he said, he said, if you gotta first be anointed, you gotta first be called of God. But then that learning and that teaching and that training and that education just puts a polished sheen on the shaft of the arrow that penetrates the heart of the person that's really needing to hear it great God fire hallelujah my God I almost feel like somebody needs to kick your heels up and shout glory to God hallelujah (laughs) anybody in here is a Methodist used to be a Methodist United Methodist anything okay you're going to get kicked out of this then you know, I, <laughs> hallelujah. I, I, I guess when I got saved and got the Holy Ghost was in the middle of the charismatic renewal. And, you know, I was saved in the Baptist church and 
called to preach in the Baptist church and, and, and you know, love the Baptist folk. Don't have a thing against them. Just, I, I, I found a little, little more. And, uh, but, you know, when I first started preaching, I'd go anywhere. It don't make no difference. I still do. And they call me to the Presbyterian church. And, well, I, I had a, a little trouble there. I couldn't figure out which pulpit to go to. They had two of them. <laughs> So I just took turn. I just I'd preach while that and preach while this, and they probably thought I was crazy. I didn't know what this for. I didn't know one was for the song leader and one for the preacher. I didn't know that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, they said, "Hey, the 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 United Methodist Church down there is, uh, you know, they're want they're wanting to have a, a a fellowship revival of different people, and and they're wanting to get a lot of young preachers to come and." Well, I went, that, that was an old, old church. I'm telling you, that building was old, had two doors, one on each side that you come in, you know, a door at each, kind of like this, where you come down the aisles. And my wife and my three kids, we sat down on the front row, and we was waiting, and, and uh, it's just everything was beautiful. They were singing some beautiful songs. They were singing, oh, for a thousand tongues. Oh, for a thousand tongues. And I could praise, oh, it's wonderful. One of the Charles Wesley songs. And, and, uh, and and all, and they got to talking about that love, that I could pay love. They got to talking about how precious it was, and and, and how grand and how glorious it was. And, and I couldn't in the, you know it was the summertime, and they had those great big windows. It's an old timey church, but they had all those windows raised up. The bottom half of them was raised up, and, and just the bottom half of them was five foot high. And and I got there, and my feet got to flying, and I couldn't hardly stand it. And I shouted glory to God, and I jumped up out of my seat, and I took off running and jumped out the window. <laughs> I'm I did. I really did. I'm telling praise God. Whoa! Hallelujah! <laughs> I think there's... I think that's kind of glad I was left, but I come in the door just flying, come down the road and sit back down on the road. <laughs> Good people, precious people, glory to God. But it didn't take long to, the, the, you know, the word got out in the church community. You watch that redheaded, that tall redheaded boy, and he, he's liable to do anything in a sermon. <laughs> but you know what? The same sheriff's department that arrested me multiple times. The same officers that dealt with me oftentimes, and one of them told me, he said, my greatest fear, Ronnie, was that I'd have to shoot you. He's, matter of fact, he wrote one of the forewords in the book, The Lowest Hell, The Highest Call, Sanford Kirby, Maryville, Tennessee Police Department. But I want to tell you, those departments, city and county and several surrounding counties, they're all the time want me to come be a chaplain. All the time want me to come and share. And I do a lot. I really, really do a lot. But God will set a fire. God will send the fire. It's what we do with it. Mm, Lord of mercy. Somebody said, you don't have to. My Baptist brothers, you know, they, they and I love them. They, somebody asked one of them the other day, they said, you think Brother Reagan will go to heaven? <laughs> one of them said, yeah, I believe he'll go to heaven if he don't run past the gate. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> Lord Jesus. 
Well, you don't have, you, you don't have to be like me. I, I've, I've got all that Irish blood in me. You know, I tell you, I, I hear a Byron drum, and if I'm in Israel, I hear a shofar, I'm liable to just start jumping up and down and shouting, praise God. <laughs> let the fire always be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Don't let it go out. You don't need to let it go out. Don't ever let it go out. Hallelujah. It'll give you a holy heartburn. It'll give you burning lips. And when you see somebody dying in their sins, it'll give you burning eyes. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of the people. Oh, God. I don't say this too much. I was the oldest of three. God did such a wonderful miracle in my life, and I'm forever grateful. Why? I want to fall down at his feet and kiss his feet when I get to that blessed home that he's gone to prepare for you and me. Hallelujah. I held my baby sister in my arms when she OD'd and died in my arms. I held my brother in my arms and wept and talked to him before he OD'd and killed himself. And I thought to myself, God, as long as you give me breath in my body, as long as you give me the grace and the stamina, I'm going to pull the covers off of hell and off of drug addiction. I'm going to tell the truth and spare and spare nothing. I'm going to preach. I'm going to cry in Zion. I'm going to warn people. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. There's more to buying dope on the street corner and, and staying in a, a gang-banging house and a drug house, a coke house. It, there's more than the party party. There's more than the money. There, there's more. There's more than carrying a wad of bills in your pocket. There's more than that. When the last breath is gone and the last gasp is made and the fingers of hell reach out to the men and the women and the young and the old and it's all over and Jesus died yonder on the tree on the cross that whosoever will could be saved and not perish glory to God hallelujah well I'm going to have to quit pastor did does this mean anything to you? Really? 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 I told my wife, I said, honey, and I'm not being, uh, I said, when time comes for me to go, it's this year we've saw a lot of good ministers go to heaven with this God-forsaken virus. I said, when my time comes to go, the devil can't take me till God says it's time. 
And when my time go, I said, you don't have to cry and, and grieve. No, and I know there's a process of grieving. I understand that. But I've told my children, my three children, my five grandchildren, and my two great-grandchildren, I've told them, don't you weep over me. Don't you cry over me. I said, if the Holy Ghost touches you, you run up there and grab that coffin and run up and down the aisles with me and shout glory to God for Papa, glory to God. He's not here. This is just the house he lived in. He's on the glory side. He's on the winning side. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't need to get too attached to this world. This world's not our home. This is only temporary. This building's only temporary. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we look for the Savior that's coming to change this body and give us a body like unto his own glorious body. Come on to music, God. <laughs> and just play something. Or we, I don't know, we might not even, you know, if you want to, if, if you might just want to come and stand around here. You might just want to stand right where you're at. You might want to just, or you might just want to stand up and say, God, fill me with a fire. Fill me with a fire, the Lord. You might just want to say, God, my, my, my fire is, is died down a little bit. I want, you to, I want you to just breathe on it. Just breathe on it just a little bit and watch him. And just watch what he does. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory to God. You know, you, you don't hear this much anymore, but I come from the mountains. And I'm not ashamed to talk about it. Brother Delmas Bruce is the oldest Church of God pastor in the Church of God. I forget now, he's getting close to 60 years. Pastor the same place up in Stinking Creek in the mountains. But got three churches going now out of that one church there. And it probably takes 45 minutes to see daylight when you start in there. But I got to preach in, in the old church that sat over the creek, over Stinking Creek years ago. And out in the middle of the floor of that old white church, they, they had a, a coal heater that sat out in the middle of that old church. And there's a precious old lady there. I don't, I don't even know. I can't call her name. But then I was about 28 and she was about 80. I'm, I don't know the math on all that. But those old people would get to shouting. And one of them shouted right over to that stove and she opened the lid on it. And she run her hands in and picked both hands full of them red hot coals. She shouted all around the front of the building with those red hot coals in her hand. Didn't, didn't taint her, didn't burn her. She was just shouting and praising the Lord. Come to find out there was a whole lot of infidels that had come into that service that make fun and laugh at those Pentecostal holy rollers, they called them those days. That same little woman bunch of boys got to aggravating her at her house and calling her old Sinky. Old Sinky lives on the creek. Go granny so-and-so. She said, I'm telling you boys, you better cut it out. Better leave me alone. I pray for you every night for God to save you. They just kept on and kept on and kept on. She told them the last time. She said, this is it. I'm going to ask God to set the hornets on you. They're coming. I pray God to set the hornets on you. And a whole 
whole flock, swarm of hornets come out of the mountains. And those guys had to run for miles and miles and miles. You couldn't hardly even tell who they were. They were stung over so much with hornets. That's the kind of history that we came out of. Healings and persecutions. You could tell in the early days of the Methodist church, you knew where the Methodists lived. How did you know? Because they throwed rotten eggs and trash and garbage in their front yards and throwed rotten eggs at the doors of their house because they believed in living right. The church of God, part of our roots is from the Methodist church. Same thing happened to us. Persecuted. They burned our churches down. They shot at some of our preachers. They did everything you could. Told Sinky they couldn't cross Coker Creek. But it crossed. Now I think it's nine million members that we have. Nine million. I tell you, when God wants to do a thing, He'll do it. Praise God. I think of Sam and Ann Phillips a lot of times. I remember you when I preached revivals for them here and I preached revivals for them at Daisy and different places they were when we were evangelizing and living just hand to mouth and uh, whatever it was. But I'm telling you, God always was faithful and God never let us down a time. And He's not changed. He's not changed. My kids grew up sleeping on church pews and sleeping in Sunday school rooms when we'd be in revivals or in the back of pickup trucks or little old flop-eared campers. But I want to tell you, when I retired from pastoring, they asked my kids if they'd testify. And I didn't think I could hold myself together. All three of them said, we wouldn't trade one thing, not nothing, to see what God did. How the fire of the Lord burned in the cold seasons and in the hot seasons and in the lean seasons. I just present to you tonight Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He loves us, brother. He loves us. He loves us. He cares for us. Hallelujah. Would you stand? Come on, ladies. Just just sing something, would you? These altars are open. or Whatever you would like to do, I just love you. I love you. I love you. Paul said, I'm your servant for Jesus' sake. Praise God. When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the uttermost. Just think about what he's doing. Boy, you're thinking about what he's doing.
he's done for you. Why don't you just How walk down these aisles with your hands up and love him? Just love him for it. Just, just give him praise and adoration. You want to do that? On Sunday <laughs> You don't have to chill out the wind. Just love him. Just love him. Just love him. That's right. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, yes. <laughs> Looked like a wheat field up there in the, in the video room. <laughs> the way he was just waving. The, the grain just waving in the wind. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> 
Oh, we love you, Lord. Come on. Isn't the Lord wonderful? Let's give the Lord praise tonight. God is good. Let's do what I always like to do. Anybody that comes and preaches, we pray for them. I know we need to lift up Brother Reagan's wife, Elaine. We want to pray for her. I know she's had some health problems in the past. We want to lift lift up Brother Reagan, still doing ministry. We want to pray God will continue to use him. Church, would you help me? Would you extend your hand this way? Could I have some that would help me to pray for his wife, for Brother Reagan, for her health? Brother Neil, did you need prayer? Well, let us pray for you. Stoke that fire, Lord. Amen. Let us pray for you, Brother Neil.
praise tonight. God is good. Don't let your fire go out. Hallelujah. Don't let it go out. i tell you something about a fire. When it's dark, you can see a fire a long ways off. And we're in a dark world right now, brother. We're in a dark world. How much more will people see it than they ever have before? When you let that light shine, that fires are burning, oh, hallelujah. people are going to see it. And not only that, when you got a nice fire going, people walk around and they gather around that thing because they want to be around it. It's warm. And you can't help but look at that thing. It's attractive. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. He's so good. What a wonderful two services we've had, feeling the power of God, His Spirit tonight. You take that thing with you. Don't let it go out. Every single day, stoke that fire. Amen. Would you let Brother Reagan know how much you appreciate him, his ministry. Been running around the world telling people about the fire, the love of Jesus. What a wonderful ministry. Amen. God is so good. Let us pray. We're going to close the service tonight. All hearts and minds are clear. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for these two services we've had, Lord, for Brother Reagan to come and, and spread the fire to us, spread the fire of God to us, to bring it here. Lord, I pray he'll take it burning all the way back to Knoxville. And Lord, let us take that hot coal we've got in our hand tonight. Lord, and don't let it go out. Don't let it go out. Every day, let's stoke that fire with prayer, reading of the word, the Lord at times fasting. And God, let it let us take that fire and stoke something right here in Hendersonville, Tennessee. It's needed so badly in this area. Let the Holy Spirit move in a way like he's never moved before in this church. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for you're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.